Welcome to the Finance Cafe podcast, the business podcast for women entrepreneurs that breaks through the money taboo and explores what's behind the numbers. Join your hosts, Shannon Peston and Shauna Frederick every week as they dive into conversations about business and finance with women entrepreneurs and the experts that support them to answer all those questions you have about the numbers and maybe some you haven't even thought of yet. With their combined experience in business, finance, and accounting, Shannon and Shauna know that financial management is more than just understanding the numbers, but understanding how our unique lived experiences, knowledge, thoughts, and behaviors around money shape the financial decisions we make in our companies. Here on the Finance Cafe podcast, presented by Canada's Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub, we're changing the way we talk about business and finance, empowering women entrepreneurs to see their business in a new light one conversation at a time. Zena, I am so incredibly excited to have you join us on this show. I know I kind of screamed a little eek when I knew that you were going to say yes. And I just, I love the heart of you and just so grateful that you've chosen to spend some of your day with us. Well, Shannon, thank you so much. First of all, it's been awesome getting to work with you over the last year and just really appreciate you carving out space for me and for entrepreneurs on the podcast. I love what you're doing and I can't wait to dive into it. But before we do, in your own words, I'd love for you to just tell us a little bit about who you are and if you could boil the work down into that one sentence, that one soundbite, Zena, what would that be? My name is Zena Cowan, and I'm the co-director at Entrepreneurth alongside Ben Scott, who's the founding director. My heritage is Irish, Scottish, and Mohawk, and my granny is the late Barbara Montour Malik, and her father, my great-grandpa, is Gilbert Slim Montour from Six Nations. Born and raised in Montreal, but the North is my home and it is my passion. And I live in Whitehorse on the traditional territories of the Ta'an Kwachan Council and the Kwanlandan First Nation. And one sentence soundbite I would say over the last four years, my work at Entrepreneurth has centered on uplifting Indigenous entrepreneurs building relationships that truly serve our Northern Indigenous communities and economies, and amplifying stories of entrepreneurship, innovation, and Indigenous excellence. Amazing work that you're doing. And I got to meet you. You were living in Yellowknife at the time that I met you. Now you're in Whitehorse. So welcome to your new home. I I know you're going to love it there. I know that we talked about the mountains and the river and even the incredible food scene that's there. So I'm really looking forward to hearing how you enjoy this new part of your world. But as the co-director of Entrepreneur, tell us a little bit more about the work that you're doing there. So for listeners who don't know, Entrepreneur is a Northern-based project that came about in 2018, basically after a consortium of Northern and Indigenous entrepreneurs, folks in philanthropy and government all got together to inform the design of a program that would support Indigenous entrepreneurs to develop business startups and grow their existing businesses. 
And it was really Ben who got that work going. And then I joined the team a, a year later and it's been, you know, my my passion project ever since. From the beginning, we have believed that Northern Indigenous entrepreneurs can become catalysts of prosperity and drivers of social change within their own communities. And that the development of sustainable enterprises, you know, those are what can create local economic opportunities to help break through poverty and strengthen Northern ways of life. That has been, you know, our North Star belief. So we launched Entrepreneurth with our flagship Entrepreneur Growth Program, which is an intensive nine months cohort experience that takes a group of about eight to 12 early stage Indigenous entrepreneurs on a major growth journey where they get to go through a transformation process personally and professionally. And it's been an amazing ride to see folks go through that program. And we offer lots of different supports and services, but basically we do everything that we can to help entrepreneurs kick down any barriers that might be getting in their way. Over the years, we have seen that there is growing demand for culturally relevant business programming in the North. So we've grown in some big ways since Entrepreneur first took flight. We've still got our cohort growth program, and we're now developing Indigenous-centered business curriculum, which is how you came into our world, Shannon. We're doing a lot of ecosystem building. We are delivering community-based workshops for young, aspiring entrepreneurs. We've got an Indigenous facilitator training program. And we're also in the process of developing a Northern Impact Fund, which is really exciting. I would say, for me, my particular area of passion really lies in our impact storytelling work. That's always been a huge focal point for us at Entrepreneur. So what that looks like is amplifying Indigenous voices in the North who are shifting and decolonizing old narratives. And these people are leaders who are creating opportunities, you know, for wealth and innovation within their communities. So we've got this growing platform, you know, through social media channels and through our website. And we use our platform to share the stories of these incredible Northerners. And we do that through impact videos that we produce and make, you know, short videos that really kind of highlight the nuggets of their stories. And we also have our own podcast called Venture Out. So I thought I, I would do heard that. it. Yeah, you're doing some amazing work over there with that podcast. Well, thanks. And I, yeah, I thought I would do a little plug because we just launched our second season on Indigenous Peoples Day. And this season is going to be like a 10-part series and we've got some great guests. So folks should check it out. Absolutely. We'll make sure that we do share that in our show notes. You know, you mentioned a couple of words that I just, I love culturally grounded being one of them, but also that 
Uh, as you're growing these businesses in the North, in particular for Indigenous entrepreneurs, it's really that journey of personal growth as well as business growth. And I just love the holistic approach that Entrepreneur has taken. So I'd love to, you know, we're trying to educate some of our listeners as well on the importance of some of these big topics, like what it means to be culturally grounded. And maybe you can share a little bit about what that means from your point of view, and even maybe talk about some of the teachings and guiding values that you have developed over the years at Entrepreneur. For sure. And I think the first thing I'll say to sort of set the context is that the North is a very culturally diverse place that is home to many different Indigenous languages and traditions and practices. And this is something that we really need to honor as a project that operates across the three territories. And I would say it's of the utmost importance to us that we be in good relationship with communities and that we're building that trust so that we know that we're offering real value and that we're doing it in a good way. And for us, I think it's always been about centering the brilliance of Indigenous cultures in the North and collaborating with local community change makers and making sure that they are in the space. And, you know, that includes bringing program alumni back into our learning spaces to share their wisdom. We're also really lucky to have, you know, support and guidance of an advisory team who are primarily Indigenous women uh, from the North, and they've been with us, you know, from the get-go. And we've also uh, got elders and residents who offer us a lot of cultural support too. I think being culturally grounded is also about appropriately incorporating ceremony. And that's something that we do in our programming, um, especially when we travel with cohort members to different regions across the North. And with that, I think over the years, and especially through COVID, we've learned that the well-being of entrepreneurs is like number one. And we really have to be centering well-being in our programming. And, you know, we do this in various ways through like personal wellness budgets and elder supports and and different trauma-informed practices. And the last thing I'll say is that our programming and our organization as a whole uses a circular holistic business model that Ben created. Uh, he's like, don't oversell me on the podcast, but I can't <laughs> help it. <laughs> so Ben has created this holistic business model that offers a multi-dimensional perspective on value creation and business development and systems thinking. Um, and, and that's something that we offer to the entrepreneurs as well. So all of that for me is, you know, how we are culturally grounding the work that we do. And just to your question, Shannon, around like guiding values, we spent the last couple of years crafting our guiding values and we didn't just want to like write them willy nilly. We really wanted to take our time and be intentional and also, you know, craft, you know, and come up with values that we thought we could genuinely be embodying within our organization. And we've had so many opportunities over the last couple of years to be learning from entrepreneurs, 
learning from knowledge holders across the north. And we've gotten these like beautiful sort of crystals of of like wisdom and we wanted to distill them. So we've come up with seven guiding values, which are be gentle to one another, stay rooted in who you are, go deeper to heal and grow, seek alignment in life and business, adopt business practices that are sustainable, shift systems that create harm, and tell stories that inspire a better future. And if you check out our Instagram and Facebook pages, you can read more about these values. But ultimately, you know, they're the culture code that we strive to operate from as an organization. And we also share them with program participants and encourage participants to develop their own guiding values for their businesses. Wow, so much wealth and so much beauty in the work that has been done. And, you know, I remember, I still remember the first time that I met Ben Scott and um, hearing about his strategy and the way that he saw this, this new way of doing business and even looking at training. And you have done some incredible work, both of you and the entire team at making that a reality. And I, what, one of the things that I love most too, is that that's what you expect of those who are working with you as well to, to live by those same values. So um, thank you for that. And I know that I have certainly learned so much from both of you. So having been to the Yukon and into the Northwest Territories myself, I've had the chance to meet some of the incredible entrepreneurs there. And and I see wholeheartedly that opportunity and the growth that we're seeing in entrepreneurship. But we all know there's different challenges that come with the North. And I wanted to just ask, what are some of the barriers that you see that Indigenous women face, particularly in the North? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, just before we pressed record, we were chatting about how for lots of people, I think in Canada, the North is an afterthought. Some people cannot place where the Yukon is or where the Northwest Territories are on the map. They think it's the same thing, but I I wouldn't live anywhere else. And there are some incredible challenges up here when operating a business, but I think there's also some awesome opportunities. But just to give like a little bit of context, Canada's three northern territories represent a geographical span of about 3.9 million square kilometers. And that's like 40% of Canada's total land mass. So huge, huge place, very small population in total, about 114,000 people. The North is beautiful all times of the year, I think, um, but it can be harsh and it can be challenging. I think, you know, our winter are long and cold and dark, you know, cost of living. I will say though, actually, I personally love our winters. That's my favorite season, but I know that for a lot of folks, it can be challenging. Cost of living is crazy for many families, you know, high food prices, high energy costs, housing costs are crazy, big infrastructure gaps in many communities. And that looks like poor internet connection sometimes there's seasonal or no road access at all and you have to fly in and out on planes 
And there's long-standing gaps in education and employment and income levels between Indigenous and non-Indigenous populations. And we see that everywhere in Canada, but that's certainly a big reality in the North. And the other thing that I'll say too is resource extraction and public administration, i.e., you know, working for the government, are the primary economic drivers in the North. Like the number of people that you'll meet who either work for the government or work for the mines. It's like, you know, the majority of, of people. And there is limited economic diversification that really benefits Indigenous communities. And it's really hard to start and grow a business in the North. Um, you know, there are lots of challenges and obstacles to overcome. And I think particularly for entrepreneurs in the smaller communities, it can feel, you know, lonely and and isolated. And you don't necessarily feel like you've got those supports that maybe folks in the in the bigger hubs would have. All of these challenges exist within the larger context of colonization and all of the ways in which colonization has directly impacted the health and well-being of communities. And we know that the results of the patriarchy and systemic racism and intergenerational trauma are very present. And we know that for Indigenous women, entrepreneurs in particular, all of these challenges are multiplied. I'm sure that you talked about this a lot at the uh, spirit reclamation gathering that you were just at, Shannon, recently. And um, yeah, these are conversations that we have all the time at Entrepreneurith. And over 70% of our participants identify as women. And the majority are caregivers and parents. The challenges are very real. Well, th that and I certainly know too from talking with entrepreneurs there as well, just the cost of any materials or thinking about supply chains and how difficult it can Easy. be to manage inventory or, you know, so there's there's a lot of different barriers that entrepreneurs in the North face. And I really thank you for helping us understand the context of some of those bigger barriers because the barriers that women entrepreneurs in the north and entrepreneurs in the north face generally those are there's some barriers that we don't have to experience here in in some of our larger centers across Canada but it's really important to note that supply chain the cost of trying to find real estate uh to operate out of big you know space issues and storage issues like those are some pretty significant barriers one other one that we haven't spoken about is access to financial capital, which we know is a, the biggest barrier that Indigenous women face. So how do you think that we can close the gap up in the Northern communities? So taking into account the colonial legacies in Canada that have systematically oppressed and economically marginalized Indigenous people, like this is a really important question that you've just asked and it's something that you know we're trying to deepen our understanding of at Entrepreneur and quite frankly like Ben and I were talking about this today there has to be a paradigm shift in the finance sector and if we want to change the racial wealth gaps Investors have to acknowledge and recognize where and how wealth was created in the first place. And there has to be greater empathy 
from them with the lived experiences of Indigenous women who are trying to start and grow businesses for the benefit of their communities. And, you know, at Entrepreneurth, we believe that there needs to be more relationship-based patient capital that better reflects Indigenous worldviews and values, and that, that unlocks like the incredible potential that exists within our Indigenous communities. And I just want to give a shout out to the folks at Native Women Lead. They're an incredible organization that I'm sure some of your listeners already know, and they're all about revolutionizing systems and inspiring innovation by investing in Native women-owned businesses. And they've created their own underwriting systems, and they have replaced the five C's of credit with the five R's of rematriation, which are relational, rooted, restorative, regenerative, and revolutionary. You know, we've come to realize that, you know, there is this need for ongoing capacity building in business that is combined with patient capital that is super responsive to all of the different needs that entrepreneurs have at different stages of starting and growing a business, whether they be at the ideation stage or the growth stage or the startup stage. So we are, as you know, Shannon, we're in the process of developing an impact fund model that will hopefully help Indigenous entrepreneurs to overcome the systemic and contextualized barriers that exist. And it's really important for us that we work with investors who will take the time to understand the impacts of colonization and who genuinely believe in the potential of Indigenous entrepreneurship and, you know, ultimately take a more holistic view of their ROI. And we, I mean, it is clear that there is a lot of work that still has to be done to unlock and flow patient capital that upholds a deeper value system. I feel like we're just, you know, in the early stages of witnessing this happening. It's such an exciting time to be, you know, in this impact investing space. And we just think that it's really critical in order for Indigenous entrepreneurs, especially women, to overcome barriers around accessing capital and creating greater intergenerational equity. Yeah, I love it so much. And you mentioned that I was at Spirit Reclamation Gathering this past week. I had the honor of attending with the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub and the Indigenous Innovation Initiative. And the insights that are coming out from the women around the table about how do we break the mold? Like, let's forget everything that we've been taught to date and rebuild. And, you know, there's, I think there's a huge desire for Indigenous women to be supporting each other through angel investing, maybe even crowdfunding platforms that serve Indigenous communities and looking at brand new ways of helping more capital get into our Indigenous communities. And and you're right, the system was never designed with Indigenous peoples in mind. Well, it was, but it was economically destructive, we'll, we'll say, and, and more. So let's talk about some of the success stories. We focused a little bit on the barriers, and we know that there are certainly barriers there, and you're working so hard to close those gaps. But when I think about some of the incredible people that I've met through the Entrepreneurth program, Is there one that stands out for you? You know, it was sort of like that aha moment to be like, this work is why we do this. Is there, was there one moment of truth for you in this? I'm sure there are many, but 
Does one stand out for you in particular? Oh, yes. Uh, and you were with her this week at the Spirit Reclamation Gathering, Misty Ireland. Love her. Love her laugh. Uh, <laughs> love her daughter as well. Yeah. She's like a mini me of Misty. Um, but Misty actually absolutely stands out. Um, she's Decho Dene from Jean Marie River, and she's the owner of Dene Roots also a Reiki master and a certified life coach. And through Dene Roots, Misty makes smokeless smudge sprays that incorporate Dene science and teachings from her elders. And that's not something that you find everywhere. Mm -hmm. Super unique. And Misty was in our very first cohort back in 2018. And actually following the cohort program, Misty did some work with us at Entrepreneurth. And then she got into the impact investing space. And then last year, in May of 2022, Misty made the leap to full time. And I would say that like whenever we hear that a, a, an entrepreneur has decided to go from sort of part-time side hustle to like, I am in this 100%, we light up. When Misty shared that with us, she also introduced herself as an intuitive entrepreneur. And I just think it's really cool that she came up with that. That feels like the right way to introduce herself. And we just hosted Misty um, on our podcast, Venture Out, and she shared that on the day that she was open for business full-time for the first time, her community flooded. Yes, I know. <laughs> she was, yeah, like, like, I mean, come on. Yeah, talk about a resilient soul in Misty. I mean, the day that she opens, it floods. And then she's a single parent, an incredible parent, and now dealing with fires up in Hay River. I mean, she has had to face a lot and um, an incredible human being. And I think an intuitive entrepreneur is just the perfect way to describe Misty Ireland. I agree. And I think like it's been really cool to witness her personal growth over the last couple of years and how she has sort of been deepening and developing her mindset around money and around, you know, her, the value that she brings um, through all of her different, you know, gifts and, and skills. Um, and she's a phenomenal mom. And she brings her daughter with her basically everywhere she goes. And her daughter is getting to see, you know, her mom blazing new trails and, and doing what she really loves. And Misty has continued to be like a really active member of our entrepreneur family and is consistently coming back into the circle and sharing her experiences with other folks in the program. Yeah, when we had our interview, she said something on the podcast, she said something to the effect of like through entrepreneurship, you can be the change you want to see in the world. Mm. You don't have to be a political person you can drive that social change through your business. And I was like, brown, like, that's beautiful. For me right now, she's like top of mind as, as somebody who is, you know, she reminds us why we do the work we do at Entrepreneur. 
And looking at generations out, I think you just said something else that's really important about the fact that she brings her daughter and there's this whole other generation that is looking at people like Misty to be the trailblazers, but also paving a way for generations, seven generations to come, which I also, I love. So, you know, we just talked about Misty a little bit, and I think she's an amazing example of how Indigenous women are in so many ways reclaiming their power and place. And somebody once asked me this on their podcast, and it's become one of my favorite questions to ask others now, but from your life and professional experience, what are the ways that you see our people creating space for ourselves? You know, when I think of Indigenous women, I think of like life givers and caregivers and probably like the best community builders and connectors I know. Mm. And the patriarchy has done a ton of damage. And we know that like on every front, the results of that violence and that trauma are there. But at the same time, like across Turtle Island, we are witnessing Indigenous women lifting each other up and co-creating opportunities for collective abundance and well-being like that is so happening right now everywhere and i think that like the emergence that we're witnessing has a lot to do with indigenous women owned and led businesses and organizations and like i said earlier the majority of the entrepreneurs in our programming identify as women and they are building businesses that open doors for other women and that give them decision-making power and make it possible to rematriate how business is done. And I think the public is beginning to pay attention to all of the ways that Indigenous women are driving economies and innovating solutions and just generally making the world a better and healthier place. And the more and more gatherings and networking opportunities that are bringing Indigenous women together, you know, we're seeing that, you know, we're seeing that community building take place on another level. And it's amazing. I mean, think of all of the Indigenous women that you and I are getting to meet on a regular basis now through all of the network building that's happening. Yeah, you just totally gave me goosebumps. And even this past week on my own social, I just talked about we did deep work at Spirit Reclamation Gathering. And, you know, but we worked hard, we laughed, we sang, we danced, and I just put above all we loved, like we just loved and pictured like the what we can do when we co create um, together. There's one topic that I do want to circle back on, and you sort of alluded to a little bit earlier around finances and Misty's own experience with with money. And, you know, we can certainly see how the economic system has impacted Indigenous women. And one of the things that both myself and Shauna have been really uh, passionate in our belief is that uh, entrepreneurship can be a great equalizer and it can be a pathway to economic prosperity and self-sufficiency. But it is a complex subject and more so for those who have been locked out of the financial system. And I know even for myself and some of the other Indigenous women that I've worked with, there's a lot of trauma that can be wrapped up around this concept of money. And you know, from your own heart, I would just love to hear what messages you have for Indigenous women. What do we need to hear about money and how do we encourage more Indigenous women to embrace a lifelong relationship to financial literacy and wellness? 
Yeah, I was thinking a lot about this question and thinking about, you know, what comes up for me personally and, you know, what I've gotten to witness over the last couple of years, you know, working with Indigenous women entrepreneurs at Entrepreneurth. The thought that stood out for me the most is that for many, many, many women, the path toward financial wellness and freedom is a recovery journey. And and I'm speaking as somebody who is in recovery, recovering from a lot of things. Um, and, you know, we, we do have a lot to uncover, discover and discard, like so many beliefs and responses and coping strategies that don't serve us, but that make a lot of sense considering the harmful systems that we've grown up in. So as we're doing that work to confront our trauma with money, I think, you know, bringing in that self-compassionate lens makes a really big difference. And recognizing that this like is not an individual me thing. This is a societal hurt collectively that I am a part of. And the other thought that came to my mind is that like recovery doesn't happen in isolation. I think that isolation breeds shame. Recovery happens in community. And this is why we're seeing so many women, um, you know, women like yourself coming together and creating safe spaces and opportunities for financial literacy and well-being to happen. So for listeners, you know, who are wondering what steps to take, you know, seek out those opportunities to be in community with other women in those spaces keep talking about money, keep talking about what comes up for you around money as you go through your journey. And like, listen to podcasts, sign up for trauma-informed workshops, and pay close attention to established women entrepreneurs when they share their journey with money and how they've gotten to a place where they do see money as medicine and as a tool for good because it is like a growth journey. The last anecdote that I want to share, uh, Joella Hogan, who is the owner of the Yukon Soaps Company, in her interview that we recorded a couple of months ago for our podcast, she shared with me that she was working with an elder who told her that the Northern Toshone word for entrepreneurship essentially translates to when we make money, it's good for our whole community. Mm. And that really, I think, turned her, or not turned, because I think Joella has, you know, she's been on her her growth journey and her, you know, her financial wellness journey for a while. But it it definitely affirmed for her that money can be a tool for good. And that as an Indigenous female entrepreneur, it is a good thing for her to be building up wealth within her community and to be building a sustainable business. And that, you know, the beauty and the love that comes from that just sort of ripples out to to all of those around her. And I just thought that was so beautiful. It's like, check, we got our answer. Beautiful indeed. And also thank you for sharing 
your little own journey there around recovery. And I think it's such a great way of of looking at this and also recognizing that this is still a system that we're living in. And the more stories that I, and I, I do believe that the more stories that we talk about where money is medicine and how it is paving not only a way for ourselves, but for our families and our communities, I think it's so important to, to shed light on that. And that's something the financial industry hasn't been able to wrap their their own minds around in terms of like, what is the economic benefit? Because when we strengthen our communities, when we strengthen our families, everything, everything changes. And so when we're thinking about businesses and, and supporting entrepreneurs, we have to be able to ask different questions as well about how is this shaping the world around us? And so I thank you so much for, for sharing that and money is medicine. I absolutely love that. I think entrepreneurship is medicine. And I've had a great mm-hmm. conversation with Bobby Reset around that because in so many ways it can be really, really healing and changing the narrative for generations to come. Zita, I want to wrap up by asking where people can learn more about Entrepreneur and who can join. So we've got uh, pretty active social media channels. So folks can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and check out our website, entrepreneurth.ca. And yeah, like our entrepreneurth exists to empower Northern Indigenous entrepreneurs. Uh, those are our peeps. Um, so uh, currently, you know, we're focused on the three territories. Um, so if you are uh, an Indigenous entrepreneur in the Yukon, Nunavut, or the Northwest Territories, Um, check us out online and reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. And I would also say to the ecosystem, so even if you're not an Indigenous woman entrepreneur, but you work in the ecosystem and you want to see how you can amplify and support the great work that Entrepreneur is doing, make sure you check them out. We'll make sure that we put all those notes inside our show notes. Zena, as always, I just, you're such a bright light for me. And as I said, from the first moment I saw you, that was just like, whoa, who is this beautiful being? Your soul just shines. And I am so grateful to know you and to learn from you in my own journey as well. And you have taught me so much, but I I thank you so much to both you and and I'll say Ben as well for co-directing this incredible program that really is changing our Northern communities and the whole way that these communities function from economics to social impact to sustainability. So keep up doing the amazing work and uh, we look forward to following your journey as well, but thank you so much for spending your time with us. Thanks, Shannon. Feel the same way about you. Really appreciate you. Bye everyone. We will see you next week on another episode of the Finance Cafe. Thank you for listening to the Finance Cafe podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know by leaving a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. And to ensure you never miss a new episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. If you'd like to stay connected with us, you can find us on social at the Finance Cafe official or on our website at thefinancecafe.ca. See you again next week for another episode of the Finance Cafe podcast.